I'm beginning to see this. In fact, actually, form fills on a website has been kind of a, I don't know, a hot topic here around the office lately. So it's, it's something I've had an opportunity to chat a lot about. A, if you notice, I used the word form fill. I didn't use the word lead. Um, yeah. I, 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 don't, I, I don't understand at what point in time in our industry did we decide that these forms being filled out were considered leads. Leads were people that had scheduled an appointment with me. That's what I remember. For freshly brewed discussion on automotive sales and marketing, this is Coffee with Jason. The Coffee with Jason podcast is sponsored by Closer's Coffee. For that full-bodied, rich, sweet flavor with a bright acidity. Drink Closer's Coffee, stay caffeinated, and keep on closing. Find out more at closerscoffee.ca. Hey, what's going on, Podcast uh, Nation? It's Jason Harris here with Strategy with Jason. Thank you so much for uh, taking your time and listening in or watching or however you're consuming this. Today, I have my guest, Mr. Jim Faust. Jim, say hi to everyone. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> hey, Jim, for everybody out there that don't know who you are and how you got started in this business, let's hear that two-minute origin story that is Mr. Jim Faust. Oh, it's the, uh, sadly, I don't really want to date myself, <laughs> but uh, thir- 35 years in the business and uh come from a car family. Uh, you know, my father owned a dealership here in town, which uh, we ran for a while. And of course, once he decided to get out of the biz, nobody wants to hire, uh, you know, a dealer brat. So I uh, made it made it on my own and I jumped ship down to the States and uh, general managed for a number of dealer groups down in the States before coming back to back to Calgary and did retail till about 2007. And then still don't know to this day how uh, Auto Trader headhunted me, but they they uh, they hired me on, and I thought it would be fun to do for a few months and learn that side of the biz. And that was just right when digital was it hadn't really kicked in yet. And um, thought I'd be there for six months and seven years later. Um, and uh, you know, love them or not, Auto Trader, you know, honestly made me what I am today in the, in the digital space. Uh, that's pre- that's pretty cool. So, what are you up to now today? What are you doing now? Uh, right now, today, since since leaving Auto Trader, I've jumped in uh, and done a, a few things. I'd wanted to uh, really get into advanced CRM work, so I did that for for a couple of years just so that I could get that under under my belt. And uh, then I, I literally have just taken everything uh, that I've uh, learned that I've known for the last ten years, and uh, now I have my own uh, full digital agency. That's cool, and you know, and, and that's why we two of us get along so well because you know we're kind of in the same boat, and we we get to call each other and cry over our own beers about you know this client and that client and the other thing. So you know, it's it's been... yeah, that's crying over beer. There you see, there you go. Yeah. I, I I know we we thought this was coffee for closers, but I thought this was beer for buddies. And there we go. Hey, I, I'll go both ways. You think there's beer in here? Well, actually, I'll tell you what's. Uh... <laughs> there's always a little something in my coffee. I you know this is gonna air, and everyone's gonna say, "I knew it. I knew he was an alcoholic." Um... <laughs> I'll get that. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that we'll, just cut, we'll just cut that piece out again. No, that's not really. All right. Um, so, Jim, man, what, what, what do you want to jam about today? What, what have you been consuming? What's on your mind? Like, what, what have you, what has your customers been saying lately? I always kind of find that there are things that are kind of come in waves a little bit. Honestly, what I'm, what I'm really finding out, uh, well, A, it's fun, it's fun being out pounding the pavement uh, more than anything. Um, I love interacting with the dealers, you know, much, much like yourself. Uh, always, there, always, there's a lot of work to do, you know, behind the scenes, but it's really interesting, um, you know, especially getting out of one's local area 
traveling around the country, talking to different dealers. And, and you really realize in a, in a country like Canada, the U.S. as well, that every area uh, is very unique. Every dealership is very unique. Mm -hmm. And what is you think would be sort of universal concerns digitally for uh, the dealers uh, is not that way at all. It's uh, every dealership is like a snowflake. There's no two the same. And no, I agree with that. I've seen a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, what I find is that, um, like, as an example, I know because I've uh, heard you speak so many times now, your one of your core focuses is dealership strategy. Mm -hmm. And that's really sunk in for me for, I thought about that long and hard for the last six months because I was really sort of focusing on, you know, specific pieces of the digital puzzle at the time. And I still am, mm -hmm. but, uh, and I, and, but going back to your core belief in, in strategy, absolutely, uh, you know, with you on that, I guess I sort of have decided to take it one step further. Um, and with any, any clients that I get involved with, I go back to, and I just refer to it as core basics. Mm -hmm. uh, just simply meaning if I dumbed it all down is why would you spend dollar number one if, as an example, on your website, you, you don't have any calls to action? And as silly as that sounds? No, um, no, no. That's actually not that silly at all. We're actually spending a fair amount of time. No, I, I'm actually glad that you're looking at a very holistic approach to it, you know? It's, um, I think there's enough people out there right now that are just pitching ads to the dealerships and, you know, not giving enough strategy to them. And, and like you said, it's not just, it, strategy doesn't just consist of the, all the different ad formats and how they will start to work together to ultimately create a strategy. It's, it's also how it works at the dealership and how it works at their in dealership experience and how it works on their, their, um, their web experience, their internet experience as well. Right. Um, I, I, I agree with you, you know, look, you know, as marketing people, we're driving traffic to their websites. I mean, how well is that website experience really, really working for them? You know, it, um, and it's interesting. And this is probably the thing that would probably, um, you know, get me hated the most by, by, uh, anybody <clears throat> is I find that, and we talked about this a lot before I left auto trader, um, the difference between how the for dealerships how digital was going in Canada versus digital was going in the US mm -hmm. and in the US the dealers quickly seem to realize and you feel free to correct me if you, you find it different but the dealers really came to the conclusion early on to say we sell cars they found their trusted vendors and they entrusted the vendors to do the job for them and they got back to selling cars in Canada, what seems to have really uh, occurred, and um, you know, we sort of forecasted it, but to the dealer's detriment, the dealers have gone out with with the right intention of sort of hiring whatever you want to call them—an internet manager, a digital marketer, a coordinator, whatever you want to call them—and you know, plunk them in that role in the dealership to be the gatekeeper, if you will. And that person who's the gatekeeper. I find um, across the board is probably the most detrimental piece to the dealership, the dealership's digital experience. They hold them back. Well, yeah, no, I think there's a lot of, look, there's a lot of self-proclaimed marketing experts out there, you know, and, and, and <laughs> but, but there, there's a lot of them that will get put into this position. And just because, you know, they, they knew how to Instagram 
like that was an action, not just, you know, or, or they knew how to Facebook, you know, it's like some, for some reason that justified them actually having some type of manage, uh, you know, in a role or managerial uh, position as far as how a dealership should, should spend their, their ad spend or their digital marketing efforts, which is kind of ridiculous if you really think about it. Right. I mean, I didn't come out and really call myself a, a true, you know, digital expert, you know, until 10, 12 years of just physically doing it myself, you know? And yeah. I mean, I mean, really doing it myself. I mean, literally I was the one doing the creative. I was the one, you know, logging into ad accounts. I was the one deciding the targeting parameters. I was setting the budgets. I mean, literally all of it, I was physically doing myself to the point where now then I felt comfortable enough that I could start teaching others and ultimately end up creating a business around it as well. Right. Um, but it's but it's not necessarily the dealerships. It's not necessarily these people's faults as much as the dealerships fault because not like a lot of times what we'll do is we'll create a position, stick them in the position and then provide them actually no training or development efforts. Well, that's that's the case. And, and wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Because I, I have no problem telling uh, my dealers, if you hire this person, and you bring them on. It's exactly what you were just saying. What are you going to do for training? Are you going to send them to a digital dealer? Mm -hmm. Are you going to send them to driving sales? And, and every one of them says, oh, no, I'm not going to never spend the money on that. This is just a $36,000, $48,000 a year position. Like, why would I do that? Well, because how is that person going to have any kind of effective communication, you know, with guys like yourself or like mm -hmm. myself or, or, or anybody? And I mean, just, just yesterday is an example. Um, like, I remember uh, the CEO from AutoNation in the States a couple of years ago. They spent a million bucks on the research proving that your worst call to action or one of the worst is book a test drive. Nobody does it, but I've got, sure. but I've got the new, I've got the new digital coordinator, you know, at, uh, at my, at my one store. And it's like, Jim, I know you said that, and I know you've quoted AutoNation, but I don't think that that's right. And I think that it's like, well, I mean, that, that, that's okay. okay. Look, if, if they want that to be their goal and objective, that's fine. Well, let's make it their goal and objective, right? You know, um, the, I, I believe one of the biggest reasons that people don't actually fill out the test drive form because there's no value. What, what, what possible value is there to the consumer to fill out this test drive form? We literally just put the form out there and assume that the word saying schedule your test drive is sufficient enough for the consumer to actually want to fill out the damn thing. Yep. There is. If, if we can actually create some real value around scheduling this test drive, guess what? People will do it. Oh, yeah, ab ab absolutely. And, and funny, you mentioned that. I, what, uh, what I said is if you want to do that, you need to build a campaign, mm -hmm. you know, around that. Or you, need, or you need that hook, if you will, the value, like you say. But like I say, just because just you put it out there and, you know, every luxury brand OEM wants you to have a book of test drive. It, it just doesn't mean it's going it's going to occur and 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 really and why why do you want to battle when uh, when a large dealer group has spent spent the money to do the research but you know you you grunt digital marketer that's never been in the car business ever you're going to prove the whole industry wrong that's yeah. and that's what I find but I'm beginning to see this in fact actually form fills on a website has been kind of a I don't know, a hot topic here around the office lately. So it's, it's something I've had an opportunity to chat a lot about. A, if you notice, I used the word form fill. I didn't use the word lead. Um, yep. yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't understand at what point in time in our industry did we decide that these forms being filled out were considered leads. Leads were people that had scheduled an appointment with me. That's what I remember. 
you know, otherwise they were, they were uh, phone opportunities. You know, it's like you picked up the phone. It wasn't a lead that you were talking to. It was a person you were talking to. Your goal was to turn them into a lead. So I, I don't know why, and I'm sure it's probably us agencies that probably messed up this language, but you know, people are assuming that these, that these forms that are being filled out are people that are farther along the path of purchase than they actually are. When in reality, our goal and objective should be not to necessarily turn these guys into an appointment right out of the gate, but to actually engage with them and have a conversation with them. So you know, with that said, and, I, and the reason I know that that's not our goal and objective is engagement and conversation, because if you look at all the forms out there and all the websites out there, it's asking you for usually three to four things. First name, last name, email address is the primary. And then phone number is usually an optional thing. But usually it's three mandatory fields, first name, last name, email address. Now, what are the open rates on emails right now? 20 to 30%. 30% on the high. I got dealerships that are running 15, 12% open rates because they put crappy email addresses in their databases, right? Like I, when you think of like the totem pole of like, if you want to get a hold of me and communicate with me, now I, every individual is different. I understand that. Okay. But, you know, email is probably one of the slowest methods of communications for me. You know, if, if, if you want me to respond and respond to me fast, you're probably going to text me. You know, if you want me to respond within, I actually have LinkedIn. Well, that's true. Actually, if you, you're 100% right. If you want to get a hold of me and you want to get a response in five to seven minutes, then you DM me, right? This is a, that's literally where I'm living, you know? So that's where you go. I have a, a general manager now that actually engages with me and he does it all over Facebook Messenger. It's just, yep. in fact, actually you engage with me over Facebook Messenger as well. That's your comfortable place, right? And in fact, I'm thinking about, we actually send very few emails back and forth to each other. It's usually Facebook Messenger first, then text message, right? So. Yep. And the average person's got four or five different email addresses. So we're still here, you know, it's 2019, right? We're still asking for contact information like it's 2009. And, and then we're sitting here wondering why people aren't engaging with us and we're having low engagement rates. You know, it, it's, we're not asking anybody how they actually want to communicate. I mean, imagine this, and this is the way I want to push any website providers out there that are listening to this right now. If you guys do this, please let me know. Um, but if there's, if you go to the website, let's say a VDB page, and the form field now has a drop down. You get to choose between Facebook Messenger, Instagram message, LinkedIn message, or um, text message, phone call, or email. Literally five or six different ways to communicate, right? Because literally all you do is just select it, and the next, the next thing is no different than what we've already been doing. It's a blank field for you to fill in your handle or your phone number or your email or so on and so forth, right? So we're, we're driving all, as market people are driving all this traffic to this website and then we're not even respecting the customer and ask them how they want to be communicated to. Yeah, I think that honestly has to be, once you're engaging with the customer, that's got to be your, your, your number one thing is mm -hmm. how do they want to communicate with you? Because um, I, always, I always find it funny how it's, it's still for a good, a good chunk of the dealers, they're still trying to force that phone call, which is... Which is, which is okay as long as you only understand you're only going to get that certain segment of the market. Yeah, that percentage of people. The rest of the market, they, they clearly, they do not want to engage that way. Most of the time, if they're giving you their cell numbers to engage via text, not because they want to call. Yeah. What if one of those drop-downs was a, a video chat? Ooh, that'd be, that, that, would, that would be interesting. I think we're, 
I'm, I'm going to say a small percentage of people out there would be interested in that. But let's say hypothetically, okay, I've been online and I've been shopping for a very specific used car. And I've already lost opportunity on a couple because they moved super quick. You know, you got a, you got a 2014 or let's say, let's say it's a 2015 Mercedes C-Class on your lot. It's got 20,000 kilometers on it. It's a cream puff, right? And like, I want that car and I want to talk to somebody about that car like right this second. You know, I don't think it would be unheard of that somebody will say, yeah, video chat me right now. I want to see more of this car. I want to talk to someone right this second about what it would be, you know, face to face. I want to talk to someone face to face about it. I don't know. I think a few people would actually take it. It's funny. We were um, one of the, one of the companies that I, uh, I worked with for a year or so. We, we were dabbling in that. We had, uh, we had secured the rights for, um, uh, for a, a video chat product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the whole, the whole concept, the whole idea was, is the guy could be at home in their pajamas and hey, you're calling in on stock number ABC. Come on, we're going to right now, we're going to go out and we're going to walk around like right now, like live real time. We're not calling you back. And it, it got a, it got a little bit of traction. I think it's, it was a, a, a little bit too much ahead of the curve. Oh yeah. But, there's, uh, I think there's a small percentage of people that I think are prepared to do that. But I think the branding equity that you get from telling people that you are willing to do that just goes to show that you're a customer-centric dealership and that you're willing to communicate with people on whatever way they want to communicate. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you have to. If, you, if those three to five incremental deals, uh, maybe it's 10 incremental deals, if you're a dealer who wants them, you got to be prepared to do that or you'll never get them. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Actually, I, was, I had a, a breakfast. I had a breakfast strategy meeting this morning, right? And great showing. I had a, just a bunch of really funny guys show up. So it was an, and and gals actually. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, but one of the gentlemen there, the Nissan dealership, um, installed uh, Facebook Messenger on their website as the chat function. Yeah, I've done that as well. And he's closing right now. He said last month he closed eleven deals straight from Facebook Messenger. Yeah, it's the. I'm hoping Facebook will make some uh, improvements, you know, for that. Uh, what, I, what, I mean, what I mean by that is I, I really think that Facebook Messenger is going to become the, the phone call of the future. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, unfortunately, like I say, the way that you have to set it up now, it's, it's a bit of a, bit of a free-for-all in terms of how to set it up and make it function within a store. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if, if uh, and I think Facebook will come around with it. I heard that they are. Yep. So the message comes in, the receptionist, for lack of a better description, you know, can move that to wherever you want it to go. Um, one of the dealers I'm experimenting with that now, you know, what they've done is the receptionist will take them all in. There's a, and they've got uh, three or four um, tablets at the desk and she'll just, she'll just hand them off, you know, parts department, hmm. like, and they're doing all departments that way. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. It's the, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a good workaround way. And it took a little begrudging in the staff for a couple of months, but like now it's, it's going, it's going like clockwork. See, See, I think it's cool that here we are both running marketing agencies and this is what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Because we know that it's, it's a holistic approach to strategy. It's not just the fact that we're running some type of extra ad formats which, by the way, we're trying some new ad formats, and some of them are actually kind of cool. I've been, we've been we went pretty heavy this last forty-five days with Instagram story ads. Oh, how'd that work for you? Very impressive. Very, very impressed. Yeah, really, really low cost, incredibly high engagement. 
so much so that, you know, uh, what we're doing is we're just using kind of our standard, you know, video formats and then we're kind of making a longer elongated version. Yep. Now it, it's become, it, it was so high engage, such high engagement with low cost that now we're actually going to make full, full size native video in, you know, in the, the vertical format. Yeah. I've, I, I saw some uh, speakers speak to that topic um, at the last uh, driving sales and um, I completely agree with that. It's interesting to hear that you're getting some good results, you know, out of Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm still, I still haven't stumbled across like branding, no problem, but like a measurable ROI that I can talk to the dealer. I, that part I haven't seen yet looking forward to it. I'm sure it's coming. I'm a little, I'm not pushing hard on it right now because uh, I know Facebook is uh, in their newsfeed. They've, mm -hmm. they've run out of space. And that's why they're they're pushing hard on. That's why we that's why we've moved over to Instagram. Like yeah. I would I would say we're almost fifty fifty uh, spend between the two when allocated to that platform, um, but we actually have a few dealerships right now that are probably closer to a seventy thirty split more Instagram than Facebook. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh well, we'll have to be chatting about that more <laughs> offline. <laughs> But, you know, but like I said, at the end of the day, I think it's our responsibility at, at being in this industry that we provide not just a strategy, but we also provide some of the operational uh, goals that go into those strategies. Yeah. And, and from, you know, watching, you know, again, I mean, uh, you, you do you do put out a, a lot of videos and, and et cetera, et cetera. And I see that the way you're engaging your, your clients, very similar to to what I'm doing in that uh, I would happy to contribute as much as a dealer wants to allow me to do so. Um, and I, and I see you doing, doing that as well. And sometimes if they, if they, if they need to tell me to, to back down and, you know, then, then I'll back down, but you know, you just always want everybody to be in the know of I'm, I'm giving you this advice. If you choose not to take it, then, you know, I'm just really doing that for a little bit of self-preservation too. You can't come. If I've, if we've given this advice, you can't come back and say, well, hey, Jim, this didn't, this didn't convert. Like I, we spent this money and it didn't convert. It was like, yep. you know, cause you don't want to be the guy that comes back and says, well, I, I told you so. Um, no, no, so. no. I agree. I agree hundred percent. But you know what though? It's funny cause it, it's been working for us, right? To, in a sense, what we're doing is we're trying to provide more value than just our products and services. Yep. Now, the funny thing is that, that I've been doing that religiously for the last couple of years, and it has been working really, really, really well for me. Um, so much so that now I'm beginning to move my dealerships into that same type of strategy. That it's not enough that we just put ads out there about prices. It's not enough that we even uh, create a unique brand and you know really try to develop out stories off those brands. I'm legitly asking, how can we provide more value than just the than the value of the product that you sell? I I hear you. So it's like for me, for a classic example of where I'm trying to provide value is going back to the messenger. Is my company will whether they ask me for it or not we'll provide that we'll provide that backup so that dealer that i was just mentioning a, a couple of minutes ago um for those first two rocky months the i i momentarily like everything comes through the, the app that i use you know that we use to monitor everything and if i see that the dealership hasn't responded like literally in in under five minutes then i'll just i'll just step in mm -hmm. and 
would, and that's that's the kind of value that one has to bring because you know as well as I, you know any any type of uh, internet online lead, once you go past five minutes, it's virtually worthless. Sure, of course. So, and what is what has happened is in those cases, you know the dealer sees sees me doing it, um, or somebody out from my team, and um, eventually they just got on the bandwagon, and I don't have to do that anymore. So it's a it's a little bit of um, unconventional training, if if you will, but it's moving the dealer along in the direction that they need to that they need to go. No, and I think all businesses. I mean, this is this is something that we can recommend to every single business out there, is that the more that we're able to provide our clients in perceived value, then we are the ones that actually ultimately reap the benefits. Yes, it, it's beneficial for them, but we're the ones that will actually reap even more benefit. By doing it for the customer, isn't that funny? It's like, hey, be a good person, do shit right, you know, treat people right, provide them more than just what they're paying for, and you win. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily like a new concept, or maybe is it just coming back? I don't know, but it seems no, like a- no, no, my friend, the we we are we are very rare in the industry, and it's not and it's not a slap against any any other vendor. No. It's just a, it's just a reality of of uh, a circumstance where, uh, you know, where the vendors they just they have their little fiefdom, and they probably would like to do more, but they but they can't. You know, just depending because every company's different. Maybe their management doesn't allow the extra effort or what have you. They just can't be a, you know all things to all people. Sure, of course. And and I think when um, and I can't speak for you, but for, for my company, you know, I enjoy having the boutique style of agency where, you know, we still have the opportunity to go meet with the dealer principals and the general managers. I don't think that, uh, it would be beneficial for clients or myself to scale up to such an extent that you can't provide, uh, you know, that kind of service. Or at least you have to have the staff to be able to still provide that kind of value-add service. And I use, just as a polar opposite, you know, use dealer.com as an example. With all the clients that they've had, and I've heard the new number, they're running over 20,000 automotive websites right now. How, how can you be all things to everybody? Like you just, you can't. Well, it's all through process. I mean, you really are going to, I mean, it, you can if that's what your goal and objective is. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yep. I mean, there, there are some very large companies out there that have been able to do that. Amazon. <laughs> yep. I, I mean, literally, I mean, anything I need from support, that's it. It's there. You know, um, I told this, I said this earlier today in another podcast, but, you know, it's like now when they drop off a package at my door, they send me a picture. Do they have to do that? Absolutely not. Can you think of all the process? and equipment and technology and costs that went into just snapping a picture of the package at my door and then getting it sent to me. It's completely customer centric. See, it's very, it, it's a large company with a boutique feel, you know, it's yeah. like they, they know me, like they're treating me as an individual. And I don't understand why dealerships at this big monster companies can do it. All right. What dealerships that are, I mean, look, the dealerships we deal with here in Canada, look, they're, they're boutique. They're all boutique. Yep. You know, they, they, 100%. they'll have anywhere between 20 to 50 employees. You know, they'll, they, um, they'll have you know, between five to 15 salespeople on the floor. You know, I mean, they have the time to be boutique 
but they just don't seem to put the effort into it. You know, it's just, I don't think it's, it's not enough that we're selling cars anymore. I think that's what I'm trying to say. It's just not enough. Well, no, because the consumer is going to buy a car regardless. So yeah. it, it, this kind of spins around to, to, uh, to sort of your philosophy of giving the consumer that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, a story, a story, if you will, the branding, if you will. And that's, and that's the, you know, like a, a lot, I think a lot of people would say right now that, well, you know, for salesmen, you can hire anybody to do it now. And because there's the, they're not making any money and so hire anybody to do it. But the truth of the matter is, when everything is all online right now, there has mm-hmm. never been a more important time for the, for the salesperson to shine. And where, so as an example, you know, the, a salesperson may not need to do the extensive needed analysis like they had to do 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But, but boy, you know, for the, the presentation and the test drive, that's, I mean, that's the time for, that is where the salesperson can shine. And that's where the dealership can really, you know, differentiate itself. There's never been a more important time. You know what, though? I hear everyone say experience, experience, experience. It's like everybody's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I need one of those. I need one of those. And then it's, it's kind of like, like, I need to lose 15 pounds. Everybody knows. You know, it's like I can keep saying it, but then actually doing it is an entirely different thing. And it's like, I mean, it's like, like I see dealerships out there going, well, I need to change my experience. I need to provide a better experience. And then usually here's what's kind of my mouth and they hate it. I say, okay, then get rid of all your commission salespeople. Yep. It was They're like, what, what are you talking about? Let's get rid of all your commission salespeople. You know, let's talk about the consumer experience here real quick. All right. They come in and they deal with people that make a living based on, the, <coughs> they come in and make a living based on, based on the profitability of whatever that deal is. I mean, think of is the deal is the consumer's best interest really in the heart of each one of those people when they're financially being rewarded based on what it, what product they sell or how many products they sell. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. So it's like, we say we want to be customer centric. We say that we want to provide a better experience, but then we go tell our team, well, you need to make more gross profit. You need to make more money from each of these customers. You know, it's like, and and you got to focus on these cars to sell more money and sell more gross profit. It's like, it's like we're saying one thing and then we're doing something entirely different. Oh, uh, you know, a hundred percent. The, I think it's um, just my opinion. But the whole aspect of the salesperson going after gross profit is stupid. Like that ship sailed long time ago. It sailed. What, what bloody control do they have in the gross profit? I mean, hell, the dealership doesn't even have control in the gross profit. The manufacturer states how much money you can make on these damn cars. The, it, it, exactly. So it, it's the, you know, and I'm not too sure what happened because the, the industry was really uh, going that way. Maybe... 2014, 2015, and I'm thinking of a couple like the Fun Group out of Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. They did a they did a great job. I don't know if they're still doing it, but um, I but I remember the day that they did it. They moved all their managers, all their salespeople. They moved them all to um, off commission onto salary, and mm-hmm. I think the sales guys, if I remember right, they were offering sixty grand uh, salary. You know, plus your various. Different incentives, so, uh, volume, volume bonus, or something along that lines, right? Yeah, and so the and so the first thing that came that happened for them uh, was people were applying for the jobs that would never have come into the industry at all, and they were shocked. 
bus drivers, school teachers. And it was like, and I, and I remember it was, it was like, you know, we always wanted to get into the car business, but it's the, it's the whole notion of the word commission and they would never apply, never well, apply. When you're, when you're, when you have a salary, what you're able to do is that you're able to actually define and mandate and tend to serve someone. So the, you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't matter if the customer is coming in for that Nissan Sentra with $500 gross profit, or they're coming in there for that fully loaded Titan with five or $6,000 worth of gross profit. The customer gets treated the exact same way. So we keep saying that we want to provide an experience for our clients, yet we keep putting out pay structures that completely go against providing a very customer centric. Our pay structures are not customer centric. That's the bottom line. No, they're, you know, they're, they're not, I, I just think it's so foolish to, um, in the, in the industry, right, right to uh, NADA, cause they're the one that, they're the ones that set those, you know, uh, you know, those percentages of where the dealership should be. So it really starts with NADA in my, in my opinion. So you get these guys that, cause the dealers know, like in fun group, I think they, they had it down. And I can tell you, I, I flew into Saskatoon that one day, did not know that they had made this change. And the minute I got out of the cab onto onto the lot, you could feel the difference. Yeah. The, yep. The sale, salesperson was just nice, friendly. They opened the door for me. Um, like all those little, there seemed like silly things. Um, can I get you a coffee? You know, who are you looking for? I'll let you know that you're here. Well, it, was, it, was, it was an intent to serve. It was awesome. <laughs> you know, it was awesome. And then one of... Um, there was another dealership, uh, a large Toyota store here in Calgary um, that I thought was very proactive. And I don't know why it went to the wayside. They made the decision that again, because so, because everything, you know, have the salesperson shine on the test drive, et cetera. They move the reception greeter desk. So like when you come in the front door, you can't get past. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Hey, Mr. Mr. Customer, you know, welcome to, you know, da 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 dealership. Um, obviously that you've, uh, you've been online and seen a vehicle that you're interested in. Can you tell me which one it is? And I will let one of our sales representatives know, we'll give it a quick wash and bring it around and give you a proper demonstration. And, and it was awesome. And I remember the general manager telling me in hiring new people, uh, the criteria was, um, at that time, didn't really want people over 25 years old, well-groomed young men and women. and their job description was you are going to give one, maybe two best possible uh, demonstrations every day. That's your job. Yeah. And you know, you're, you're not going to, it isn't going to be that whole thing of like, you know, you're whatever your every dealership like, is different. You're, you're not, you're you not going to be, you're not going to be the jack of all trades and master of nothing. Like you're going to own your space and you're going to be the best damn, the best person at whatever the specific, you know, Whatever yeah. the responsibility is, right? And you know, manager's gonna, you know, gonna call it whatever you want, line or close or whatever. Um, but you know, when you take all that off and you know, and now and hey, by the way, you don't have to worry about going and shoveling snow and taking snow off the car. It's like it's just well defined and it and it was and it was working. Mm -hmm. And um now I mean I didn't quite agree with the pay structure, but based on those parameters, um, they've just made no bones about it. 
you are never going to make more than fifty thousand dollars a year. That's just, <laughs> well, and, and that's that's a little tough. But look, I think what it is, and this is a great place for us to wrap this up, is that the bottom line is is that our, I we're both in agreement. Uh, the current pay structures in our industry is not very customer centric at all. And you know, it's like if your dealership and you're out there and you want to you want to be focused on the customer and provide more value than the product that you're selling, I think that's a great place for you to start. In addition to that, the second thing that we really got to talk about today was strategy. It, it's yeah. it, it's got to be just a real holistic thing. It's not your you don't have an online strategy, you don't have an in dealership strategy. It's like it's a collective strategy that all combines with each other. Right, so marketing, your online experience, your in dealership experiences is all part of the overall strategy. And you know what? Either if you can't execute on that strategy, then you need to partner up with somebody that can execute on that strategy. But the strategy needs to be coming from the top, not from the middle, not from the bottom. The strategy needs to come from the top and needs yep. to be executed all the way down through the entire staff. Hey, um, Jim, for uh, people out there that would like to connect with you, what is the best way for uh, people to connect with you? Uh, best way to connect with me is um, uh, honestly just to probably send me a text at uh, 403-617-6230 or my, or my email, jim at jimdfaust.com. It's probably, it's probably the, uh, the easiest way. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Awesome. Hey, Jim, thank you so much for your time today, dude. That was, that was a blast jamming with you. I look forward to doing this again soon. Sounds good. And uh, I'll be out in Ontario in the next few weeks and I'll track you down. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. All right. Take care. You too. We covered a bunch of great topics today. What stood out most to you? Be sure to let us know in the comment section below. And don't forget to like the post and share it to keep the conversation going. You can follow Jason on all social media platforms by following Strategy with Jason. You can find him pretty well everywhere you can share content. I hope we were able to get you thinking. And until the next time, this has been Nathan with Digital Dealership Solutions. Have a great day.